0: God sits on His holy throne. Our God, the Most High God, doth rule in the kingdom of man. He raises up kings and rulers, cast out appointing all boundaries and times. The power He gives to whomever control from on on. high, God reigns over the nations, God sits on his holy throne. who willingly humble themselves will be the dominions that stand. God reigns, God reigns over the nations. God sits on His holy Will never be conquered. Against it, hell's gate shall never prevail. Its throne will be left to no other. God reigns, God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. Our God. Sits on high and the depths of his hearts over by willing surrender. A warfare with weapons to carnal all afraid. no tyrants, our king, but our father. God reigns, God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne.
1: salvation is from the Jews. Now, that's probably not something that you thought that me, being a Christian, would say. But yet, it's actually something that Jesus said in John chapter 4. Now, he wasn't even talking to a Jewish person, but he actually told them that salvation is from the Jews. And I believe that what he is saying by that, and what is meant by that statement, that salvation is from the Jews, can be applied in two different ways. One of them is, Yes, specifically, that salvation is going to be from the Jews. And, you know, I guess the way we would look at it as uh, salvation came from the Jews in the sense of Jesus. He produces salvation for each and every one of us. But also, I think that, uh, you know, obviously that's something that that you all as Christians would would agree with. But now, I think that we also need to, to broaden our perspective of what it means that salvation is from the Jews. Because I think when we look at our Bibles, what we find is... A large portion of it is the Old Testament. That means a large portion of it deals with the Jews. In fact, several things in the New Testament even deal with Jews as well. And the statement that salvation is from the Jews, yes, it specifically can be stated because Jesus came from the Jews among the Jews. Yes, I get that. But even more than that, broader than that salvation it is from the jews because they're the ones who were given the word of god they're the ones through which salvation was going to be accomplished and it wasn't supposed to end with the jews it's supposed to go throughout all of the nations that's what we're going to be taking a look at but first let's briefly look at what jesus said in john chapter 4. Now this conversation takes place between Jesus being a Jewish man and he is talking to a Samaritan woman. Now this conversation started at the well. Jesus starts asking for some water but then it quickly kind of moves into some other things because this woman she starts to realize oh okay I see that you're a prophet so then she starts to ask some other questions and gets into a little bit of a religious discussion. She actually comes right to the point as to some of the the uh, things that they would disagree on, her being a Samaritan, him being a Jew, and she gets right to the point. (laughs) Maybe you know somebody who's like that. But look at what Jesus does with this conversation. John chapter four, verses 21 through 26. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So this conversation goes on, and and Jesus also deals with it, by the way. You know, I mentioned that the woman specifically brings up a difference between her being a Samaritan, him being a Jew. But, you know, Jesus also continues that on, and he actually makes a bold statement in verse 22, and I think there's something we can learn from that, is that he doesn't just tiptoe around the question, just avoid the question. He says, you Samaritans, you worship what you do not know. Now, you know, we can listen to that, and we might think that sounds... Uh, a little offensive but yet the way Jesus presents it is it's just fact. They were just they were wrong about this. And he says we worship talking about Jews what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. And he starts to, you know, talk about that and and shows uh, about how, you know, times are actually going to be changing. In fact, they're already starting to change and they're changing because this Messiah that the woman even is expecting, she goes, "Oh, I know that the Messiah, you know, the Christ is coming when he comes everything's going to be worked out Uh, that's a paraphrase yeah he's going to explain everything to us but then jesus says that he is that messiah now that had to just i don't know how she would have responded um because that was something that she's expecting and now what it all comes down to is yes salvation is from the jews but you know this isn't the last time that we see this phrase and i want us to fast forward now in history i want us to fast forward in history to a time whenever the church began in the book of acts we see that the church begins and it is continuing uh, to grow and now even the church starts off among the jewish people in acts chapter 2 it's only jewish people who are there and only really jewish believers are the ones who make up the church for the first several chapters of the book of acts but eventually you start to realize oh this gospel message is spreading to the other nations as well and i want us to see one of these kind of uh, transitional chapters. It's Acts chapter 13, and this is where we're going to spend most of our time. And I want us to look at what Paul says right here. This takes place in Acts chapter 13. We're going to be in verses 16 through 20. Now, this is Paul, and he's in Pisidian Antioch. He's in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and they've just opened up the floor. Uh, they've, you know, they've started. Uh, they've been they've been reading the scriptures. It says that. Uh, Uh, what's happened is that they've already been reading from the law and from the prophets then the leaders of the synagogue uh, sent word to them brothers if you have a word of exhortation for the people please speak well of course paul is going to take that opportunity this is his message but what i want you to notice is going back to those two things that i mentioned salvation is from the jews yes it's from the jews in the sense of it comes through jesus christ but it's also from the jews in the sense of it's part of their story and I think that if we overlook the Old Testament and overlook the history in the Old Testament, we are going to overlook and miss a lot of what God uh, has done in times past. And even I would go so far as to say we're going to miss some of the things that God is doing right now in our midst. That's what Paul seemed to believe. And he starts back with a history lesson whenever the floor is given him. Verses 16 through 20. Standing up, Paul mentioned... Sorry... Paul motioned with his hand and said, fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. For about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness, and he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet." Now, now hold on before we kind of keep going any farther. So make sure that we recognize right here, he's talking big picture at this point, okay? He's looking at, yes, salvation is from the Jews because God, he chose their ancestors. He, he's a Jewish person speaking to Jews. He addresses them, at least, as fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God. So, yes, it includes Gentiles in the audience, but they're still ones who, who worship God. You know, they're these God-fearers who are part of this community. So, Paul, he says, our ancestors, the Jewish people, they were chosen by God. God took care of them in Egypt. God took care of them in the wilderness. God took care of them in Canaan. And he's starting to go over this lesson. And he's giving them this history lesson showing, hey, I know the history You know the history, but do you really know the significance of it? And then after they get into the land of Canaan, he starts talking about these judges. Then he's also talking about Samuel the prophet, who serves as a transitional time from the judges to, well, the kings. Verses 21 and 22. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled forty years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. So now we see that, that uh, yes, all of this history is leading up to the time when the kings are, uh, are in the nation of Israel. And we see specifically it's going to come down to one king, this king, David. And he's actually called a man after my own heart. You know, that's what God, that's how God speaks about him. But David is going to serve as a wonderful transition because the amazing thing that Paul does right now, as he's replaying this kind of salvation history and kind of showing them how God has has led them, taken care of them, and, and brought them up to this point in time, he's going to skip about a thousand years of history, give or take, and he's going to go straight from David to Jesus. You know, he's going to go from King David to King Jesus. Let's see what Paul does. Verses 23 through 25 now. From this man's descendants, speaking about David, from this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the savior Jesus as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, who do you suppose I am? I am not the one you were looking for, but there is one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. So this is where this salvation history lesson is coming to. Yes, it has to do with all these ancestors. And yes, it has to do with this history of how God brought them through Egypt, brought them into the land, uh, into the promised land of Canaan. But then also, during that time, there were judges, then there were kings, and then we see David. Great things were going to come from David. David's descendants. One of David's descendants came the Savior, Jesus. Jesus. Now we start to get right into the very specifics about how salvation is going to come not just to the Jewish nation, but to all the nations through Jesus Christ. Paul continues on speaking. Keep in mind, this is all just kind of like a sermon, and I'm sort of uh, just kind of mentioning a few things along the way. Uh, but we're mainly going off of this this story that Paul is preaching, uh, that, that Paul is, is uh, uh, restating to his fellow Jews and those who are God-fearers in this place. Verses 26 through 31 now. Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed when they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. So now he's getting to the salvation. He says, it is to us. Talking about the children of Abraham, he's talking about the God-fearing Gentiles that are in their midst, everybody who's listening right here on this, this, uh, this Sabbath day. It is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. What does that message of salvation have to do with? It has to do with Jesus' death, his burial, and most importantly, his resurrection. Now, I mean, the the death of Jesus, it most certainly, even what, uh, what he's stating here in verse 21, you know, there was no proper ground for it. He should not have been killed, but he was killed. He was killed because the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem at that time did not recognize Jesus. Now... This is not necessarily saying, of course, that all uh, Jews are bad. There's a lot of good Jews. There there always have been throughout history. But, you know, there were some good and bad Jews during the days of Jesus. There were good and bad Jews if you just kind of look at, I guess, probably almost any generation that you look at. And sometimes, if we aren't careful, the message that we kind of uh, that we might be proclaiming and might be talking about is we speak so negatively about against the, the Jewish religious leaders and and talk about how they they crucified Jesus and yes they did and I'm not trying to uh, I'm not trying to defend them but we need to recognize that this is part of this story and all and just because some of the Jewish leaders uh, would not listen to what God was doing in their midst it didn't mean that all of the Jewish people were corrupted. Now, I say all that, and you'll see even in this occasion, um, Paul, his message is not welcomed by everybody, but it was to these people, to the children of Abraham, to the God-fearing Gentiles, that this message of salvation has been sent. This message of salvation, it deals with, as verse 30 says, God raised Jesus from the dead. There's plenty of evidence for that. Paul talks about the evidence during his day, but you know, 2,000 years later, there still is so much evidence uh, that talks about how uh, how Jesus most certainly was raised up from the dead. Uh, just as a little bit of a side note, uh, you might wanna wanna look this up. Uh, there's a wonderful book that gets into that uh, that was written uh, by a man by the name of uh, Lee Strobel, and the title of the book is The Case for Christ. And in that Uh, He kind of tells his own story because he he set out to disprove that Jesus raised from the dead. And what he ended up doing was he he believed that Jesus raised from the dead. And he became a Christian, you know, a follower of God uh, after the evidence clearly was pointing uh, in the direction that we have that uh, Jesus, he was raised from the dead without a doubt. The evidence is still there. The evidence we can still find today. This is the message of salvation it was sent to the children of abraham sent to the god-fearing gentiles god raised jesus from the dead there's still more that paul says about this though verses 32 through 37 now we tell you the good news what god promised our ancestors he has fulfilled for us their children by raising up jesus as it is written in the second psalm you are my son today i have become your father god raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is also stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. See, this is the message that Paul is proclaiming. This is the good news. He actually says that in verse 32. He says, we tell you the good news. What is the good news? Well, God promised all these things to the ancestors, to those who were Jews, okay? Salvation is from the Jews. So God promised all those things to the ancestors, but yet he is fulfilling it during the days of Paul. How is he fulfilling it? He's fulfilling it, and he fulfilled it by raising up Jesus, And then Paul quotes a few different passages and he says, look, you know these scriptures, you know that they're pointing to this time and look, Jesus fulfilled them. He has accomplished this. He did not see decay because God raised him from the dead. Verses 38 through 43 now. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from sin, a justification you were not able to attain under the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would never believe even if someone told you. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. This is what it is. Remember how I told you, salvation is from the Jews. And I believe that Jesus, whenever he said that, he means it two ways. One of them is, yes, through the Jewish people, uh, they received all these promises, salvation comes from them. But very specifically, salvation comes to us through Jesus Christ and Jesus, he was a Jew. We see that's where where Paul's message has been uh, coming. It started off with this history lesson about how the ancestors of the Jewish people, this is the story of salvation. Then we see it comes down to Jesus Christ. We see that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And I guess I would say that not just to the hearers of Paul, but now also you who are listening and watching this video, this, uh, the Jesus and the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, not just to this group, but to you also. And then we get this wonderful promise in verse 39 that through him, through Jesus Christ, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. And that was something that the law of Moses, you just, you couldn't receive that. So you want to know this good news. You want to know the, the gospel message. This is it. This is what it comes down to. And it is a wonderful message. It's a beautiful message. It has Jesus Christ at the very center of it. There's still a little bit more because, you know, you start to see that that they're they're wanting to hear more about, well, what is this message about? And they they want, you know, some of them, they kind of want to believe it. Some of them don't always exactly know, well, what do we do with this? Well, let's keep reading, though. Verses 44 through 48 of Acts 13. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you rejected and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. I think this is a wonderful passage. This is a wonderful statement that tells us how this message was received. We see that not even all of the Jews during the days of Paul were willing to accept the message and willing to accept what God was doing in their midst. But Paul explains it very specifically here. Paul and Barnabas both in verse 46. They said, look, we had to speak the word of God to you first. They're the ones that salvation comes from. They're the Jewish people. They needed to hear this message. But then they say, well, look, if you're going to reject it, And if you don't consider yourself worthy of eternal life, we're going to turn to the Gentiles. And that's what they do. And that's also why Paul is going to be later kind of associated as the apostle to the Gentiles. Because that is what he he did. He literally took this passage from verse 47 where God says, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Paul took that to heart and he did it. I mean, he just completely went throughout uh, the world of his day. And so that that way he he was bringing this news, this gospel message of salvation to the ends of the earth. Salvation is from the Jews. Yes, it started with the Jewish people. And it came to us through Jesus Christ himself. But it spread, bringing salvation to the ends of the earth. It has spread to the ends of the earth now. So regardless of where it started, it has spread and it continues to spread. Every time that we proclaim this, every time that we accept this, every time that we believe it and pass it on, but just, I know it kind of sounds like we're, we're pretty much at the end, which we almost are. But there's just a few more verses in this chapter that I want us to see. Because right here we see the Gentiles, they heard this, they're praising God. They're so excited, rightfully so. But it continues on. Verses 49 through 52. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. This is part of the message. It doesn't always go well for those who are serving the Lord. But it's always important. It's always necessary. The the message that Paul and Barnabas were proclaiming is salvation. It came from the Jewish people. It comes to all of us through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's still the message that we have got to proclaim. Whether people accept it or reject it, we still have to proclaim that message. Will you help me in that? I think that's what we're supposed to be doing.
0: The gospel stands alone for all Thank you.